Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when you did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. This is A Word, a new podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. The massive coronavirus relief law includes billions of dollars in aid for black farmers. That has some Republican lawmakers like South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham crying foul. So if you're in the farming business right now, this bill forgives 120 percent of your loan based on your race. But black farmers say the money is a small step in helping them recover from the covid crisis and a history of discrimination in America. The future of black farmers next on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Politicians often portray the American farm as the home of the country's best virtues, hard work, perseverance, and hope. But in that vision, almost all the farmers are always white folks. The only black farmers many Americans, even African-Americans, know of are the Bordelons, the fictional family at the heart of Ava DuVernay's critically acclaimed television series, Queen Sugar. I, Ernest Charles Bordelon, declare that this is my last will and testament. To my children, I bequeath 800 acres equally. Out of every place in this whole world, this land bears our name. Farm it, nurture it, love it. That was the voice of actor Glenn Thurman, who played Louisiana farmer Ernest Bordelon. The reality of black farmers is that they're endangered. Decades of discriminatory practices from American banks and government agencies killed most black farms, left the few thousand that remain struggling. But the coronavirus relief law offered them a lifeline. It included the Emergency Relief for Farmers of Color Act, which provides close to $5 billion for the U.S. Department of Agriculture to assist black farmers who faced systematic discrimination for decades. It was a huge victory for people like John Boyd Jr. He is the founder and president of the National Black Farmers Association and spent years fighting for justice for black farmers. We spoke recently about the aid package, and I began by asking him about his own farm. Uh, basically, I'm, I'm a fourth-generation farmer from uh, Mecklenburg County, Virginia, uh, and my people were defined as uh, river people. So we we're from the Roanoke River Basin uh, along the uh, Mecklenburg County, uh, Virginia, North Carolina borderline. And I was trained as a farmer as a uh, tobacco and cotton and peanut farmer, as, as my daddy and, and grandfather was. And now today I raise uh, the three major commodities, corn, wheat, and soybeans, and 100 head of uh, beef cattle on about uh, 1,400 acres in Mecklenburg County, Virginia. Most of us don't know much about farming. What's the average black farmer look like in America in 2021? Multi-generational farmer, like you see myself. We're a very, very diverse bunch of farmers, but uh, we raise crops in, in smaller and smaller acreage. So the average 
size of a black owned farm is 50 acres and uh, also uh, the average age of uh, a black farmer is 61 years of age. Your average black farmer in America is 61 years old. About how many black farmers are left in America and how has that number grown or, or shrunk in say the last 30 years? I would say 46, 47,000 uh, black farmers that make a living uh, farming. And then there's a host of uh, part-time farmers and landowners. At the turn of the century, we were one million black farm families strong in the United States, uh, tilling about 20 million acres, according to our numbers. Today, we're down to about four and a half million uh, acres of, of land that we, that we till. And, and primarily in the southeastern corridor of the United States. I want to talk a little bit about the relief uh, that just came in this new coronavirus package. So it's relief targeted at disadvantaged farmers and, and, and minority farmers, and it's $5 billion channeled through the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock led the effort to make that happen. Now, Republicans were quick to criticize this bill, and we have a short clip of what South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham had to say about the relief. In this bill, if you're a farmer, your loan will be forgiven up to 120% of your loan, not 100%, but 120% of your loan if you're socially disadvantaged, if you're African-American, some other minority. But if you're a white person, if you're a white woman, no forgiveness as reparations. I know that you've wrestled back and forth with Lindsey Graham before. What's your response to what Lindsey Graham has to say in that segment? And what's been your overall opinion of him when it comes to black farmers over the years? Uh, he gets an F and uh, he gets an F minus. I don't know if he can get any lower than that. But he knows what he's doing when he when he comes out and make these uh, notorious type of statements uh, uh, like he inflammatory uh, uh, race uh, catchy uh, uh, statements to the press and uh, I've had meetings with him, uh, FaceTime meetings and I lobbied uh, Senator Graham both as a uh, when he served in the House of Representatives as a congressman and as a U.S. Senator and he's never done anything on the black farmers issue. He said at the beginning of his statement he, it really bothered him and that's the problem with it, uh, a lot of people in America where Anytime resources go to uh, blacks and Native Americans and Hispanics, it, it, it bothers them. But we're part of, a, of American fabric here, too, and especially the issue with uh, black farmers and, and what we went through in this country uh, as slaves and, and, and sharecroppers and surviving uh, the Jim Crow era. He wasn't concerned then. I find his comments deplorable. And the other 49 members who, who voted against this measure to pull it out of the spending bill, deplorable, and we can do better. We can do better in the United States. Given your experience of working with black farmers who have been robbed of their land, sometimes chased off their land historically by white men with guns, what do you think of the idea of reparations? Have you ever looked at, say, House Bill 40 uh, and what the impact of reparations might be specifically on black farmers? Well, H.R. 40, uh, former Senator uh, John Conyers for many years introduced it every year, H.R. Uh, 40, which merely a study about uh, reparations and it didn't, and didn't move very far in, in Congress. Reparations for uh, blacks in this country is, is long overdue. We should have done that uh, uh, years ago. Hopefully uh, the timing is right to, 
to move that forward uh, uh, with this administration with uh, uh, President Biden, who I, I believe his administration so far has shown that they're open to doing initiatives and, and uh, special bills and things of that nature to address uh, blacks in this country. But even if it is reparations, I mean, uh, what do you call it when billions of dollars for the past 40 years I can think of went to all white farmers in this country? What do you call it? Uh, it's my question to people like uh, uh, Lindsey Graham. I need to be treated with dignity and respect. Judge me for the character that I am and the life that I live in my community. Uh, I, live a good, I live a good life. I, I treat people with dignity and respect. I treat everybody that work for me with dignity and respect. And that's the way I want to be treated when I walk into the United States Department of Agriculture. That's, that's what I want to get to in this country. Uh, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, more on the politics of helping black farmers with activist John Boyd. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. If you're enjoying A Word, please subscribe, rate, and review. Did you know you could be listening to this show ad-free? All it takes is a Slate Plus membership. It's just $1 for the first month, and it also helps us keep making our podcast. Sign up now at slate.com slash a word plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about the future of black farmers with John Boyd. So, John, how much confidence do you have in Vilsack as Secretary of Agriculture to actually distribute these funds properly and make sure that the concerns of black farmers are actually addressed, seeing as how he didn't do it when he was in this position before. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I had a, a meeting with uh, now President Biden last, last February before, before I endorsed him publicly. And one of the things that uh, we spoke about was new new blood at USDA and, and new political people that could come in and get the job done. 
he said that that would happen. So when they made the announcement that Secretary Vilsack was going back to uh, USDA, uh, I and others immediately found it problematic for us. Uh, uh, I believe it's the wrong time in history, and I still do for Secretary Vilsack. I don't think this is the right time in history to have him there, but he's there. And uh, my daddy taught me as a, a, a young man, don't watch what they say, but you watch everything that they do. So we're going to be watching what Secretary Vilsack does and, and his actions. In the last conversation we had with the president, he said, uh, if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then to let him know. So I plan on letting the president know that if his pick doesn't perform or not. Uh, but we're at a critical time, and, and we need to hear more details about implementation on how the farmers are going to receive the debt relief and how the uh, outreach will be, be set up is, is what I'm urging the administration. That's my message. They have, to, they have to implement this, and they have to do it with uh, swift action and to make sure that those uh, black and other farmers of color that are eligible to receive this debt relief actually receive it. And uh, we're going to be we're going to be uh, right on top of this with, uh, you know, tooth and nail here. Black farmers want a one billion dollar settlement from the USDA over just lifelong discrimination more than 20 years ago. This was a case. It was Pigford versus Glickman. But then just 10 years later, the government had to step in again because the phones weren't going to everyone who was entitled to the relief. So you say that Vilsack might be part of the problem. I agree with you. He might be part of the problem. Let's say we're jumping to 2022, John, and the money still hasn't been distributed. There's been a rush on black farmland in the fall as the, you know, as we sort of come out of COVID, but black people are still suffering. What kind of pressure can we apply? What does pressure look like on a secretary of agriculture? We know how to scream at members of Congress. We know how to scream at President Biden. How do we put pressure on a secretary of agriculture if he's not doing his job and handing out the STEMI checks? Well, I, I believe it's just a little bit different time because now uh, I've seen in the past 30 years uh, more interest right now, a heightened interest of, of what's going on with black farmers and, and farmers of color, even more so than, uh, you know, when we announced the, the black farmer settlement. Uh, so I believe there's more attention now to uh, what's going on with black farmers. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, this administration uh, would do what it needs to do, uh, because the past four years have been hell for uh, black farmers and, and farmers of color in this country. And we're not trying to go back there. So we're trying to go forward. Uh, and that's why uh, I came right out the box quickly and, and pushed for this measure. And, and let's get some delivered goods out the box quick. Uh, you know, four years is, uh, goes by very fast. And uh, if you're going to do anything and implement any policy and changes, you have to get out the box quickly and, and show people what, you know, what you're made of and what you're going to do. Now that this money has been passed, if this money goes out the way it should, what will the face of black farmers be like? What will the circumstances of black farmers be like in, say, the spring of 2023 if this money is distributed properly from the COVID relief bill? Well, uh, I'm going to try to answer it in, 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 in two ways. First of all, I would like to see a third party neutral uh, uh, administer uh, the debt relief to black farmers. That, that may or may not happen, but that uh, would be my first pick uh, for USDA to turn over all of the information of 
all those black farmers who have guaranteed loans, uh, direct loans, and all of those things to a third party neutral, and the third party neutral executes the $4 billion in, in debt relief. Uh, that may not happen, but that would be my first pick. And then uh, if all goes well, we get a chance people to regroup. Uh, and the way I like to explain it is animals are facing extinction and black farmers are. They quickly put laws in place to protect the brown bear, the black bear, bald eagle, the rockfish, until their numbers come up. That's what this is. It, and if we're able to get debt relief, it gives us time to regroup, reorganize, revamp and our farming operations without that extreme debt hanging over our heads from the United States Department of Agriculture. Or they, they're guaranteed loan programs. That could be a bank or whoever else that is. Uh, but that's, that's, that's what this, this initiative would do. So it gives us some time to reorganize and help help our numbers come up. Uh, um, instead of losing land, we'll, we'll be re reorganizing and finding different ways to, to reorganize our farming operations. And this isn't the uh, beginning of the, uh, the end of the initiative. Uh, there's a, a, a larger bill uh, uh, by Senator Booker, the Black Farmers uh, uh, Bill, uh, that in, entails the land piece. And the reason we took this piece out of Booker's bill is because we thought we could move it in, in the COVID, COVID uh, relief uh, uh, bill, uh, spending bill, without a whole lot of this uh, hoopla. But that was wrong. Lindsey Graham already showed you they don't want you, want you to have a damn damn. But if we're able to get that mechanism done with Senator Booker, uh, then you begin to address the land issue that you've been hearing me speak about for many, many years. Uh, so we're we're making some progress, and, and uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I do believe that this is the right time to move it. We have uh, two black members uh, in the Senate, Corey, Senator Cory Booker and, and Senator Warner, on the Agriculture uh, Committee, uh, historic in nature. We have a uh, black chairman in the House, uh, Chairman Scott, uh, for the first time in history. When I first started lobbying Congress, there were no blacks no black members of Congress on the, on the House Agriculture Committee and none in the Senate. Uh, so I believe that we have a president who, who seems uh, willing to help and an uh, African-American vice president uh, uh, that wants to, to do the right thing. Uh, now is the time for uh, African-Americans, uh, the black community, to get our ASK, A-S-K, together in the right format and present it to this administration for whatever it is that we're trying to do. Uh, based on all my years of floating around here, I don't think I've seen more blacks in position. Uh, Congressman Sanford Bishop, chairman of the uh, Appropriations Commission, uh, Committee in the House. Uh, Bobby Scott, chairman of the Education uh, Committee in the House of Representatives. So now is the time to do some things, and, and uh, I'm certainly going to try to do it. And, and I need the help of, of, of our community to do it. And when you pe see people like Lindsey Graham taking pop shots, people at me, support us. Uh, tweet about it, write about it, speak out about it. They said Lindsey Graham ain't, ain't, ain't gonna apologize. It's because enough people ain't told him to do it. That's why we need to demand that he apologize. I'm not asking, and I need our community to support us. You've talked about Cory Booker. You've talked about uh, members in congressional committees. What's Tim Scott like? Because Tim Scott is an African-American 
uh, he's a Republican, but he is a senator from South Carolina. He is the junior senator. He works with Lindsey Graham. He's still in a state with 6,000 uh, African-American farmers. Have you found Tim Scott to be any more helpful, or is he pretty much just a, a, a stepping stool or a lapdog for what Lindsey Graham says? I think he said one or two statements about black farmers. I, I need to look at it. But he, he's, he's not an advocate there on, in the Senate, and I believe that he could do more. We got to come out in record numbers like we did in Georgia and begin to vote those persons out and let them sit on the sideline, man, on the footstool. And that's what has to happen. We can do this, especially when you have those type of populations like we have in, in South Carolina. There's no reason to have a, a senator like uh, Lindsey Graham who simply don't want to serve uh, uh, black people in this country. Uh, I think this is a new day and uh, we need to treat it that way. And we, when we have these special elections, people say, well, my, my vote don't count. Your vote does count. Your vote does count and elections matter. Uh, because guess what, people? We wouldn't be getting $5 billion if the shoe was on the, on the Republican's foot. If you want to see how America's run, watch agriculture, people. When you step outside your city, 20, 20 minutes outside your city, and ride through rural America, that's what the real country looks like, where you see the Trump signs still hanging out in, on the front yards. You don't see any Biden signs. Uh, we're living in two Americas here. And I think a lot of people just don't get it. I've never seen so much uh, tension, racial tension in, the, in my own community that I, that I live in between white farmers and, and, and black farmers. The tension is so thick you can cut it with a knife. Uh, and it's because of where the former president took us in this country. John Boyd is the president and founder of the National Black Farmers Association. John Boyd, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Thank you very much for having me. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Ayana Angel and Jasmine Ellis. Asha Saluja is the managing producer of podcasts at Slate. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer of podcasts at Slate. June Thomas is senior managing producer of the Slate Podcast Network. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. 
And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.